All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn in your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're just going to look at the last few verses of chapter 2. Chapter 2, if you remember, he's been kind of focusing on really helping us to understand what's happening in the future and, and with that, helping us to understand how to navigate the times that we're in. If you remember, he's writing a church that's going through some difficult times and he's kind of writing them to have, help them to have peace in the midst of the storm. And, and so for you and I, you and I can have that same peace in the midst of the storm. So the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at uh, the reality that everything is moving to a point. When you look and have an assessment of what's going on, you need to recognize that everything is moving to the point of who's coming back. Who's coming back, folks? Jesus. And if you keep that perspective, you can navigate these times. So he wants to close this section of discussion. Because the question is now, what do you do with this information? Because when you are watching the news, and you are seeing the things that are happening, and, and you're concerned, and you're worried, and you're wondering. And you know that ultimately all things are moving to the point of Jesus Christ coming back. The first natural reaction is to be afraid. To be fearful. To be concerned. But what does that mean for me? How do I handle this? And I think Paul knew that because after talking about like the man of lawlessness who would come, the deception that people would experience in that time, when he talked about the falling away of people denying the faith and all of those things, you've got to wonder, if here you are, a believer in Jesus Christ, what do you do? So that's why he gives us verses 13 through 17. It's really an encouragement. Let, let's read it together. It'll, it'll be up on your screen for you. Look at what he says, verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you were taught, whether by word or by our epistle. Now may the Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. All right, now here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take a look at these verses, and we're going to try to see really the reality of standing strong. When you think about what's going on, 
Let me just say this, because I hear I've, I've been hearing this lately about your Christianity is threatened. Folks, nobody can threaten your Christianity. It's a spiritual reality. Your faith is your faith, no matter what happens around you. And the reality of who you are in Jesus was established the moment you got saved. No one can take that away from you. In fact, we're going to see that here. So what we're going to see is, is that you and I, in the midst of everything that's going on, he's going to tell us right off the bat, you and I need to have a different focus. And we need to have a different focus because he's going to show us a spiritual reality. And when you understand that spiritual reality, you need to hold on. So yes, we know Jesus is coming back. Yes, we know these are these events that are going to take place in the future. But you don't need to be afraid. Do you understand what I'm saying? You don't need to be concerned. You don't need to be worried. You need to have your eyes on Christ. And no one can take that away from you. No one. Throughout human history, no one has ever taken away anybody's faith in Jesus. Do you understand? No matter the difficulties or the struggle, the church has continued to endure. Believers have moved on because they understood. So let's talk about a different focus. I want you to notice with me now. Look with me. We're going to look, first of all, at what it says in Verse 13, he said this, but we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the spirit and belief in truth. All right, so here's two things I want you to see about this different focus. All right. In spite of what's coming, there was a compulsion towards giving thanks. Look at what Paul says. I mean, when I read it, I was like, oh, I can't wrap my brain around it. But look at what he says. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you. All right, now look, his time that he's living in right now is a little bit more extreme than what we're living in right now. Nobody is hunting us down. Nobody is throwing us into prison. Nobody is killing you. Nobody is slandering you outright in this public square, chasing you down. None of that is happening. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Yes, there are subtle forms. Yes, there are different things. There's, it is difficult now, but it's not like their time. But yet, in spite of what these Thessalonians were going through, Paul was able and he felt bound, he felt compelled to give thanks to God for them. For the reality of what was going on in their lives that nobody else can take. Listen, could, let, let me just be honest. We have an election coming up here in a few weeks. Who knows what the outcome will be? But can I tell you, the election doesn't have anything to do with your faith. Your personal faith. 
It didn't have anything to do with you coming to faith. It has nothing to do with you keeping your faith. Did you understand? It is the reality of Jesus coming into your life who supersedes all of that. And so no matter what's going on, no matter how crazy it gets, because you and I, we could be living in a country right now, and I know places in the world that are like this where they're meeting and worshiping, but they're afraid of somebody breaking in and taking them away. But they're thankful. In this situation, they're thankful. They're thankful in those situations. He, in spite of what's coming, there was a compulsion towards giving thanks. Now look at here what the basis of the thanksgiving is. Now some of you need to grasp this, because some of you don't grasp this point, okay? Look with me. I'm going to read it to you carefully. I want you to grasp it before I tell you the point. All right, look at verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord. Did you catch that last part? Brethren, beloved by the Lord. Here's what I want you to see. The basis of thanksgiving is believers who are beloved by God. Do you want to know what Paul was thankful for? He wasn't thankful for news of something happening or, or a lull in the persecution or, or maybe some kind of victory in this area or that or another. He didn't care less about any of that. His basis of thanking God was them. And then notice how he describes them. And this is where a lot of people don't really grasp it because they see things in terms of what they've done or haven't done. He describes them as beloved by God. That's a powerful thing. Do you know who you are? When you look in the mirror, who do you see? Or for a lot of people, when they look in the mirror, they see regret. They see shame. They see what-ifs. They see, I wish it could have been different. And that's how they view life. That's how they view themselves, especially as you get older. You, the more you realize that, it's, the older you get, the more stuff you're carrying. Isn't that true? But my friends, listen to me. When I read this, I, I was like, wow. Paul was thankful for them, and here's what he was thankful for. They were beloved by God. They were loved by God. That's it. You are loved by God. Now, that in itself, we could just say, okay, we're done, let's leave, be gone. Because when you think about the craziness that's going on and the chaos and the political upheaval and, and everything that's going on and you're wondering and the bills are coming and the relationship issues are happening and health problems are going on and it seems like one thing after another, how do I do this? How do I stand? How do I go on? You're loved. You are special to God. Some of you maybe need to write that down. You are special 
special to God. Period. You need to understand that. You are special. See, that's having a different focus, isn't it? It's completely having a different focus. It is a God perspective of who you are. You've got to have a God perspective of who you are. So then that brings us to the spiritual reality. See, the reason why you can have that different focus is because of the spiritual reality that he talks about here. Look with me at what he says. Again, verse 13. We're going to look at verse 13 and 14. Here's the spiritual reality. Because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so here's what I want you to see. This is the spiritual reality. Through salvation, you were chosen to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You were chosen to be sanctified. That's what he's talking about. Whenever you see the term election or chosen, we see that in Ephesians, you were chosen for a purpose. You were saved for a purpose. And the purpose is for God to sanctify you. Can I tell you what that word sanctify is? That's a big Bible word, big church word. What does that mean? It means to be separated, to be made holy as he's holy. Isn't that what Peter says? Be holy as I'm holy. And you and I, uh, I hate to say it, we're a piece of work. That's usually not a good thing to say, right? Well, he's a piece of work. Well, yeah, he is. You are, and I am. What does that mean, George? You are a work in progress. God is molding you, shaping you, dealing with your rough edges, dealing with the sins that ensnare you, the attitudes that consume you. It comes with time. Have you noticed that? I mean, as I get older, I'm like, why am I still wrestling with this? Well, I maybe have a little bit different perspective than I did when I was younger wrestling with it. Back then, it was like me. Now I'm realizing it's something that has to change. Well, I can't change it. You realize that. How many of you realize that? I can't change it. I'm, I'm ensnared to it. But who can through you? Spirit of God. See, he chose you to be sanctified by the Holy Spirit. See, God is doing the work in your life, changing you. And he has. I mean, think about it. You know, in April of 1985, I was a freshman engineering student at the University of South Carolina. And I was a mess. Jesus saved me. And I look back to how I was and what I was doing then, and I look now and I say, man, Lord, you brought me a long way. You have brought me a long way, but I know there's a whole lot longer way to go. But you're the one guiding me through it. You're the one who's changing me. You're the one who's molding me. Because that's what he called me to. That's what he chose you for, is to change you. Isn't that awesome? 
That's what God's doing right now. He's changing you. If you don't think you need changed, <laughs> talk to somebody close to you, okay? They'll tell you you need change. Here, here's the thing. Why have you experienced that salvation? Here's the second point. You experience salvation because you believe the truth. So it isn't just that you were saved to be sanctified. You were saved because of your belief in truth. What truth, George? The truth of who Jesus is and what Jesus does for you. The truth of the reality of who he is and everything of submitting your life to him. I told you I got saved in April of 85. I remember it was because right after I was invited to a Bible study on the campus of the University of South Carolina at the Student Union Building, and I went to this Bible study, and, and I heard these testimonies of these kids who were there. They were my age then, but testimonies of what Jesus was doing in their life. I heard a message, and, and I really wanted to know more, and, and there was this missionary guy there with Real Life Ministries. It was the ministry that was posting it. This guy by the name of Richard told me to read the Gospel of John. And I went home that night. I mean, I got home at 9 o'clock, and I asked my dad for a Bible. I didn't even have a Bible. Dad, you got a Bible here? And, and I read the Gospel of John that night, and my mind opened. wasn't just my mind. My mind and my heart opened to the reality of who he was. And I got down on my knees and I said, Jesus, I need you. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I experienced salvation because I believed the truth of who he was. And my life has been totally different, changed since. So you can think back to the moment. Some of you, you maybe can remember the exact moment. Some of you... Maybe not, but you remember just the reality that you believe. The reality is, is you experience salvation because you put your faith in Jesus. Do you understand? And so that, see, here's the thing. You were called to salvation through the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what he's saying here. Through the gospel. Can I be honest with you? What saved you isn't pray this prayer, you'll go to heaven. That doesn't save anybody. The gospel is Jesus that's what saves you. Putting your faith and trust in Jesus. Whatever he asks of you, you will do it. Because you recognize he loves you. It's believing him. That's the gospel. Gospel is good news. The good news of Jesus. What? The death, burial, and resurrection that he died for your sins, that he was buried and on the third day rose again, giving us victory over sin and death, giving us a new hope for the future, giving us a life now. That's the gospel. And you were called to salvation because you believed that gospel. See, that's the spiritual reality. It doesn't matter what else is going on around the world. It doesn't matter where the world's heading to because we know where it's heading to, right? It's heading towards chaos and Jesus coming back. Listen, folks, I, I'm, I'll be honest with you. I, I, I know there are some folks of a different theological perspective that think that all things are going to just get better as we go along. 
There's people in our world who think we're going to be like Star Trek. You know, no money. Just go to a machine and tell them you want a burger and it'll give it to you. Well, whatever. If that's your view of utopia, that's not going to happen. Why? Because scripture tells us everything is moving to a point of chaos. And then Jesus comes back. But I don't need to be afraid. I can have a different focus because I have Jesus and I am loved by him, beloved by God. So here's what we need to do. Here's the whole issue of holding on. I've got three things I want to say here, okay? Here's the first one. Look with me at verse 15. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold to traditions which you were taught, whether by word or our epistle. All right, so here's the first thing that you need to do, okay? You have to establish yourself in the reality of your salvation. You have to establish yourself. You have to hold fast to the reality of, that you are a believer, that you are saved by faith, that Jesus loves you. These are things that you have to establish yourself in. A good illustration of that, you want like, well, how do I establish myself, George? Well, you know what a good illustration of that is? It's just over in Ephesians. Let's go there for a moment if you have your Bibles. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 6. Paul describes it as putting on the full armor of God. Now, I'm not going to tell you, get up in the morning and put on your helmet, put on your breastplate, shod your feet. That's an illustration. But look at what he's saying you need to and I need to do with regards to our daily lives because we are in a battle. We are in a crisis. We are in a midst of something that's going on. Look at what he says. Verse 13 of chapter 6. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one, taking the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, how do you establish the reality of your salvation? Listen to what it says here. Gird your waist with truth. Folks, you're being onslaughted day by day by lies. Do you realize that? Lies about who you are. Lies about what you believe. Lies. Gird yourself with truth. Let's go on. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness. It's not talking about your righteousness. Why? Because are you righteous? No, you're a sinner. And you can't stand because you know who you really are. But when it talks about putting on the breastplate of standing in the breastplate of righteousness, it's talking about whose righteousness? Christ's righteousness. You are righteous not because of you, but because of what Jesus did for you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You have standing. You can stand because 
You are seen as righteous by God, not because of you, but because of Jesus. Do you understand what I'm saying? That goes on there, and it says what? Having shod your feet for the preparation of the gospel of peace. Rest in the gospel. What's the gospel? Has nothing to do with you. Has everything to do with who? Jesus. How much do we look through life as we go, oh, I messed up. Oh, I didn't do right in that. So I wish I could do that over again. And oh, God, do you change the way you look at me? Has nothing to do with you when it talks about how he looks at you. You're beloved by God. Man, if you just would realize that day in, day out, you can establish the reality of salvation in your life. Do you understand? Look, let's go on. He says what? Take the shield of faith. Faith isn't like a blind thing. Oh, I hope it'll happen. Here's my faith. Give me faith, Jesus. No, faith is trust in Jesus, what you already know about him. And with that trust in him, you can face anything. And not just that, what? The helmet of salvation. Again, having your mind understand what? You are saved. This life is passing, but you are saved. You have something more beyond this life. Do you understand? And with that, what? Take up the sword of the Spirit. What? God's Word. That's going to help you to establish your faith. Do you understand? That's what's going to help you to establish your faith. So how do you do that? Here it is, verse 15. If we go back to 2 Thessalonians, verse 15 again tells you, hold on to the teaching that was imparted to you. Hold on to the teaching. Listen, folks, I'm going to be honest with you. Somebody comes along and says, oh, look, I found something new. Shut your mind off to them. There is nothing new here. There is no new teaching. What you and I are talking about, they've been talking about for centuries. To have you hold on to until Jesus comes back to establish you in your faith. Do you understand? You have everything right here. And it was taught to you. I'm amazed. You know what? We will, you know, as the leaders of the church, we'll get together and we'll discuss, you know, asking the Lord for direction. And, and, we'll, and this is the way it's been for the last few meetings when we've gotten together. What's the Lord showing you? What's he telling you? And as I interact with the men of this church, I'm amazed because... A lot of times what they reflect upon is what they were taught years ago and how it's guiding them now. There's nothing new. So you hold on to the teaching that was imparted to you. Do you understand what I'm saying? You hold on to it. And you're able to hold on as you're going through life. This is the focus here. Don't worry about what's coming. You hold on. So then notice the third thing. Look at verse 16 and 17. This is really a prayer, but it tells you something that you and I need to be aware of. Look at verse 16. Now, this is a prayer. May the, our Lord Jesus Christ himself and the God, our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, Comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Here's what I want you to see. Rest in the Lord who will comfort and establish you in your faith. Rest in the Lord. 
All right, listen. You know, as I, I'm, I'm 54, okay? And as I think back through my life, there have been periods of time when I was facing things. And I know there will be as I get older, I'll face other things. And, and I think about how did I make it through that circumstance? How did I make it through that situation? Okay, you could probably think back in your own life, all right? And, and a lot of times what got me through it wasn't just the love of family members. So I can think there were times when it was Lori's strength that got me through it. Or the love for my kids that got me through it. Did you understand what I'm saying? But there were times when Lori wasn't in my life. It's getting... Those years are getting fewer now, to be honest with you. But she's been in my life for a while now. But I'll be honest with you, but if it wasn't Lori and if it wasn't the kids, there was something even more driving me. There was something even more giving me stability. There was something even more that was giving me the strength. I, I prayed about it. That was giving me grace, wisdom, and strength. It was Jesus. And so I need to just rest in him because that's what Paul's prayer is. He's asking God to what? The one who brings us consolation and grace. He's asking us to what? Comfort us. Comfort us in the midst of all that we're going through. It was telling me to breathe. Sorry. <laughs> I guess I'm getting worked up for my watch. Here's the reality. Rest in the Lord. Rest in the Lord. So don't sweat it. Don't sweat what might happen. Don't sweat what is happening. Don't sweat what's coming down the pike. Rest in the Lord. And he will what? He will comfort you in the midst of all that you're going through and he will establish you in faith. Do you understand? So we can have a different perspective, can we? So let me give you one thought to close with. I've given you this thought for the last couple of weeks and I'll give it to you again. It, it, this is the reality. How are you and I going to navigate these waters? We understand what's coming. We understand what where our focus needs to be. How do we navigate it day by day? And this is what I need to hear. This is what you need to hear. And that's this. Understanding the scripture will guard your heart in the confusion. You and I need to know God's word. Not to answer Bible trivia questions. Not even to just form a ritual. Did I do my daily time with Jesus? But you need to know his word because you want God to speak to you through his word. You want him to show you the day that you are going to have and what you need to rest in. You want him, and I'll be honest with you, as we are in the midst of the confusion of everything that goes on in our everyday lives normally. I mean, forget all the stuff that's happening in the world right now. We have confusion in our lives daily anyhow, right? Then add to it all the other stuff, and we're like, oh, you can 
establish your hearts because you understand what his word says about you. And that he'll be there with you. So you got to understand the scriptures. You and I have to get in his word. And then we can move on. That's what my prayer is for you. Let's pray.